Rolling, rolling. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, High school music. Did you guys watch? Did you watch that train wreck? Did you watch the documentary train wreck? No. Oh, you gotta watch it it's on Netflix. I've never even heard of it. What is it's, it? Uh, it's about uh, Woodstock '99. Ooh, Woodstock. Yeah, they had it like some abandoned air hangar, air base, and everything all hell broke loose, and they they had no water or anything like that. Holy shit! People collapsed all the towers and looted and burned everything. But anyway, part of that is the uh, Limp Biscuit comes out and does a night set. One of the things they talk about is like in comparison to the old Woodstock. Is that like the old Woodstock was like peace, love, you know, a bunch of people just yeah. like out there grooving. And then like you bring in Woodstock 94 and the 99 and your headliners are now Corn, yeah. <laughs> Kid Rock, <laughs> Limp Biscuit, you know, which absolutely just whip a million, I think half a million people into just an yeah. ab- absolute frenzy. Half a million people. It was crazy. I want to know how you have all these random Facts and thoughts in your head. Trainwreck, you gotta watch documentaries, it. man. Yeah, watch Trainwreck. Is that not where you get your facts? I watch rifle shooting videos on YouTube. <laughs> I highly recommend Trainwreck. Bear films. Come on, when you're done the right nap strategies, sure. and you get home at night. You don't want to watch something else. I watch Game of Thrones. <laughs> Just rewatch, rewatch constantly. Yeah, have so you can watch it when you know what's gonna ha- what, what's gonna happen. Yeah, I, still I love can't it. do that. Once I know what happens, I'm, I got it. Or if you knows, I will watch Lord of the Rings. Multiple times a year. <laughs> Crazy. I think I could only watch those one time ever. I can't get through them a second time. There's no way. Agreed. They're so slow. They drag on forever. There's so much going on. It's so hard to focus on. The Office, you know, classic. <laughs> Parks and Rec? Parks and, Parks Rec. and Rec is so good. Yeah, really Ron, good. Shout out to Ron Swanson if you're listening. <laughs> guy's awesome. We should get him on the podcast. <laughs> did, you see the, did you ever see the video that's on YouTube of him? It's literally Ron Swanson drinking whiskey for like three hours in front of a fireplace. That's literally <laughs> the whole that's video. So awesome. <laughs> you kind of just watch him just sit there and Log drink whiskey. Log of and whiskey. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's funny. Did you guys see what we have? I we heard. I heard. Have, have you seen it? Do you have one? No, I don't have one. Why not? But I've seen it. I don't know. Look at Good this. question. YouTube, you're 100th. 100,000 subscribers. Our 100,000 subscriber. Anyway, yeah. I guess you get a, what do they call this? A play button? Yeah. YouTube play button. We made it, boys. We made it. We just made it. It's kind of cool, though. Neville had a cool stat. I can't remember what it is. I think it's like, was it 1%? Less than 1%. Less than 1% of all the YouTube channels. Channels, yeah. Actually, ever hit 100,000 subscribers. Pretty cool. So that's pretty cool. My actually favorite part, I looked at this a little earlier, but this is my favorite part of the whole thing. Uh, This award was inspected and packaged with great care by Rick. Rick. Thanks, Rick. (laughs) Shout Shout out out Rick Rick at YouTube (laughs) for packaging our play button with great care. That's kind of cool. That is kind of cool. Got that today. You know know what I'm most excited about the play button? What? My 10-year-old thinks that that would be the best thing ever for show and tell. Oh, so yeah, yeah, right in high school? Play yeah, yeah. yeah. that'd be cool. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, he's Love taking it. it to school for show and tell. Love are you going to sign it? Should we all sign it? <laughs> we should. I'm going to get a picture of Brady on the front of it. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> But yeah, my kids think YouTube play button is pretty sick. Yeah, I guess kids nowadays would. It's big. Yeah. Everyone watches YouTube. Like I said, to me, it's a... Yeah, it's kind of lost in translation for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No given, given the amount of content uploaded to YouTube. Yeah, it's got to be a crazy number. So, uh, podcast today. Do you want me to hit promo? Are we doing promo now or promo hit, at the, hit at the back hit end? Hit us with the promo code. All right. Give those listeners what they want. All right. We, uh, today we're going to talk 
quite a bit about winter kill because everybody's talking about winter kill right now. We're going to talk about our application strategies uh, personally, and then just also the application strategy articles that are going out in abundance right now. Covered Utah. Uh, when this podcast lands, you'll have seven days, I believe, to apply in Utah. So you got till the twenty seventh. Uh, you've got some other states coming up still, Arizona deer, sheep, you've got Wyoming antelope, uh, and deer, which we'll talk a little bit about. So all this to say it's research season. Um, there's still a bunch of applications out there. Uh, I'm hoping for some results starting to come back. Yes. New Mexico. I'm looking forward to that. I want that money back in my wallet. If I don't draw. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I want that tag in my pocket. That's be better. I'd rather That'd have that. Be true, true statement. But yeah, all that to say, there's still a bunch of opportunities to pick up a tag. I mean, you can still do over the counter opportunities in Colorado for elk. Uh, it's a great time to still buy and get yourself an insider research account. So you can use the promo code podcast. Uh, that's just podcast. When you sign up for go hunt insider account, we're going to give you 50 points back into the go hunt gear shop. That's $50. So $50 you can spend on any gear that you want in the gear shop. Um, now that the weather's warming up, what is it today? 80, 80 something today in Vegas. Oh, finally getting hot. Or 92. No way. Yeah. Oof. I think it's Not in the nineties. Cool. It's crazy. Yeah, my it days se- of shooting my rifle are getting a little slimmer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 70 in Cedar, which is, I mean, it was 18 a week ago. <laughs> So, but it is finally starting to warm up. Um, but yeah, use that promo code podcast, get yourself an insider research account, um, use it to buy some gear in the gear shop with those 50 points that we give you back and, you know, get out, start scouting, do some camping, hiking, Yep, mapping, running. Mapping season's coming up. So you get go hunt maps in there. Go hunt so. maps. We, uh, I just saw that we picked up Solomon shoes. So yeah. Spa- oh, Solomon yeah. boots. Don't buy solar panels. <laughs> Cody, what is Cody going Bo- on over there? What are you watching? Cody Moore over there. Cody Moore is buying solar panels. Our producer is working very hard right now <laughs> watching solar panel, solar panel videos. It's better than the alternative of what could have popped up. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I'm saying. Farm animal frenzy. I know that's what he's into. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome, Cody. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So how's your own app strategies, your own application season coming along? I mean, it's, I always argue it's one of my favorite times of the year. It really is. Lorenzo? Stressful, but fun. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> Did you apply in Colorado? I'll, I'll know what the success that I have. Did I apply? You're asking? Yeah. I mean, my honest answer? Yeah. What'd you apply for? Uh, the only one I actually applied for is Desert Bighorn. That's it? Mm-hmm. You don't apply for Rocky? I do Desert. Cause Desert, I don't, I, Desert's totally random. You got yep. no no points. Exactly. That's why I do it. Do you have Rocky points at all? No. No. And I'm not going to spend the money on it. Gotcha. Even though, you know, I can get the three and then just stay there. I saw some stuff the other day. They're thinking about switching some of that up, maybe to a bonus point system. So as they're changing things around, you know, Might sometimes change is not good. Sometimes change is, is better. So maybe it yeah. would have been beneficial. But that's one of those states that I just never bought the once in a lifetime type species sheep. I think you're the only one I actually know that applies for for deserts. Exactly. So, yeah. I, I want that one tag. Everybody, I mean, you're a Nevada resident and you're applying for deserts in Colorado. Yeah. Everybody, you uh, know, applies for Rockies and build points or, yeah. yeah. I'm just, uh, you know, put my money towards other places, tax my bills, more fuel in my truck to go scouting. They, uh, they have archery, archery though. Yeah. Archery yeah. sheep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So this, so back to that though, that was the only species I actually applied for everything else. I bought points. Huh? Why? You were all in not that long ago. You no, were remember, like, the, remember the podcast? I was like, yeah, I know. You said you were teetering, but you yeah, said you're still going to do it. So the reason I 
swapped over is I, you know, cross my fingers. I hope I have a New Mexico deer tag in my pocket. Ooh. I was just, you know, doing a lot of research on New Mexico lately. I've never hunted deer there. I've always applied and shot for the stars for deer in New Mexico. Um, only hunted elk there because I'm a, as you guys know, big elk guy. Big so I killed a bull in New Mexico. Elk <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so I, hopefully, fingers crossed, I'll have a, a mule deer tag there. And that season date, if I recall, is the 4th through the 8th. Mm-hmm. So going, trying to get a third season tag, you know, I burned my points. So I have to, you know, try to pick up a limited opportunity, you know, yeah. type hunt. And that hunt would then be the 11th to the 17th. So it'd be a Mueller sabbatical 2.0 in a sense, which I, I brought a reporter and he's like, oh, the Mueller sabbatical, you know, that was really good. I'm like, so, but I should have a Montana tag as well. So that's going to be like the end of November. So basically I'd be gone all of November if I... Try to if you draw them all, sounds pretty sweet. Sounds pretty sweet. <laughs> I'm a business. Did you person. lay it out like that too, Porter? Like basically, I'm going to be gone in November. No, you didn't. But, but you know, since Lorenzo's here, I'll say I'm a business first guy. So yeah, I love it. Yeah, I understand. I do it. have to be in the office. Love it. So right now, I just bought points, and my strategy there is, you know, maybe something sweet gets popped up on the leftover list in Colorado. Maybe I can pick up a third season tag, not burn any points. So you're not totally crossing it off your list. Not totally crossing it off yet, but I was like, I'm just going to bank bank it. I did not look at any second choice options. You know, I probably could have done some second yeah. choice stuff or muzzy or archery. But right now, like I said, I should have a New Mexico tag. And based on all the snowpack and everything I've been looking at, could mm-hmm. be a pretty fire year to have a you know New Mexico tag in some of the desert units with all the moisture we're getting. So it could mm-hmm. be a good antler growth year. And, you know, maybe it's backwards strategy. Like why, why go to Mexico instead of Colorado? Colorado's probably on normal years, you know, always a chance at a giant, but my thought is try New Mexico this year with give the, it a, give it a break, give it a break and try something else. Like I said, I should have a, what if my, you don't draw New Mexico? Yeah. Then my plan to get thrown out the window. Why, why you put that bad juju on there? <laughs> why? Trail loves putting stuff out there. <laughs> why did you put that? That's, how, that's how I'm feeling like right now. I like, uh, honestly, I've got plans in the back of my head, but if, if they don't come to fruition, like if tags don't trickle yeah, in, no I, don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. I mean, it may just be over-the-counter elk in Colorado. Yeah, so I, I have some thinking to do still, but, you know, I had a lot of points in Montana, and as you guys know, I'm a big elk guy, so hopefully, <laughs> you know, maybe Montana will take my elk points finally. Cause Did I you have, apply for elk then? Yeah. and I L- have, Limited, special? Limited? Yeah, limited. limited 14, elk. how many points you got? 14, 15? I have 15 points in oh, Montana. Buddy. Man, you might be going elk hunting. Yeah, so I calculated out Let's the other day. So. I think at my point level and higher, don't quote me exactly, but I think there's only 39 non-residents at my point level and higher. Huh. Wow. Based on people who applied in the draw. Obviously, I don't know how many people carrying just points. do Thank points you. because we don't, have, we don't have that report available, but based on people who are applying, um, you know, should maybe eventually Come have on, Montana. Tag. So I just really Let's want go. to get that Montana elk tag kind of out of the way so I can start over in a sense. Because you're an elk guy. Because I'm an elk guy. Yeah. Do we see what's happening? You're yeah, not fooling I'm, anyone. We see what's happening here. I'm saying this as dry as I can. The great transition He was an archery happening. guy, and I was a rifle, <laughs> rifle guy. guy. I was an elder guy, Dude, and I was an elk yeah. guy. Pretty soon he's a rifle elk guy. But again, though. Rifle <laughs> elk guy. <laughs> as you guys know, though, but I think my strategy does play off really well. Being a mule guy your whole entire life, kill some great deer, hunt mm-hmm. a lot of phenomenal places, mm-hmm. and not giving two shit about elk for so long is going to pay off because now I have double digit creeping on high, like towards 20 points elk for points. all these, all these Western states for elk. So, so you're now, a big elk guy now. So now I'm in the situation where, yeah, I don't know if I'm ever going to guarantee to draw some of these, like, you know, my Utah points, like sure. Never going to probably draw. 
I don't know, man. Don't but say never, that. I right get now, so you mad at you and Trail for always saying yeah, you, that. Why you would get, you put that out there? You, you got options. So now, now though, but my, since my strategy has been that for so long, and I'm so willing to wait to ever burn an elk point, I have an opportunity coming up to go on some absolute yeah, phenomenal sure. elk hunts because I don't care. So I'm willing to wait. And if I don't draw, sure, it's not the end of the world for me. It's not like I'm banking my season on those elk hunts. So I am fine carrying those yeah. points for another five, 10 years until I actually draw. Sure, I'm going to be older in life, might not be able to do as crazy of stuff, but. I yeah. will have some great elk hunts coming up just because of the way I've set my, you know, sure. season. And then whether, whether it was strategy or pure luck that, that you accomplished this with, you like timed it really well too. Yeah. You were in the, the deer, you know, in the heyday of it, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now you're kind of transitioning to where the elk are doing phenomenal in all these Western mm-hmm. States. There's some, there's some places though, like in my Montana stuff that, you know, I lived there for quite a while. I saw what the potential bulls were in some of these units that, you know, mm-hmm. I'm applying for. And they're not what they were back in the day quality-wise. Yes, there's still a lot of elk. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I think the quality in a lot of those places are getting kind of shot out because they have, you know, increased some tags. You know, a lot of that stuff now they have, you know, an opportunity for, you know, more of the private land or yeah type of situations out there. So, like, they're definitely getting shot out. So I don't think the bull quality is what it was. But like Montana, I always still spits out a bunch of big bulls. For and, sure. And like I said, I have, you know, elk points everywhere. And you everywhere. don't care. About and I don't really care. So 300 incher and a 390, same, same. <laughs> no. Same, same. That's, that's same, what, same, but different. But that's, same, what's, that's what's kind of a little stressful, yeah. though, too, because I get to these high point levels. And so that's like right now, that's 15 years of my yeah. life. When you think about 15 points, it doesn't seem bad. But when you actually put a year number on, that's 15 years of my life I've been applying. Yeah, how old were you 15 years ago? A young pup. Yeah, it's Probably crazy. Enough. That's what I, I always math, think about. Math is, like, is hard. That's what I always think about is I have, you know, X points and this, holy shit, I was 20 years old when I, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like wild to go back that far. But then now, since yeah. I have these high points, like so that's 15 years, so you want to kill a quality animal still. Yeah. And so it's like you do put on like known pressure on yourself instantly. For sure. Like your expectations are going to be a little higher, you know, and I don't have a lot of elk experience, so I'm not the best at hunting them. I definitely can glass, I, you know, proficient with a rifle. So I have some of those toolkits in my toolbox, Yeah, tools in my toolbox that I could utilize. So it's like, it'd be some pressure if I actually draw some of these tags. But again, I don't care, so I don't know when I'll draw these tags. But when I do, dude, I'm going to have a wall of bulls. Hey. That's kind of that's gonna be an expensive tax return bill because I do like shoulder mounting a few things. So yeah, those, those get pricey. Better have tall ceilings in your house. Just go yeah. cap them. Yeah. Skull so yeah, Colorado, just did deserts. Hmm. Man, that's interesting. What about you? What did you do? Did you apply? So, uh, when did I, you apply? I'm curious to know that. When did, did last day? Last day. Second to last day for me. Yeah, last last hour. Get my app on top. For me, that was second to last day for me. I had some time before I went home. When I get home to my kid, it's game over. So I'm like, ah, I better do this now. Yeah. And I always get stressed out going to the last day because what if I do actually forget? Yep. It stresses me out. Yep. Yeah, even um, even in Mon- sorry, even in Montana this year, they talked about pushing the deadline back because they had a bunch of errors. Yeah. Like that's it's like, what's it's, scary it's, about it. Yeah. So, so I was always, definitely one of those people who is promoting or yeah. helping the system crash by waiting to the last day, which is stupid because I knew what I'm doing. Yeah. But I, have, just, I stress out about that. So I'm Mexico always the second to last. Crash, they pushed it another day. I they heard that. Yeah. 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 Um, but my with my sheep hunt this year, I, I'm chasing a specific tag in Colorado. Um, we talked about it on a previous podcast about I'm kind of done with the late season stuff out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so this tag I'm chasing, and I, I, you know, depending on point creep, you can't you can't calculate for that. The guys that are holding points and just want to jump in, but I should have enough. Anyways, the sheep hunt kind of puts it in a 
logistically a bad area for that. It'd be gone way too much. It'd be a, it would be a hunting sabbatical for me as well. Business which, first. Business first. Can't do that right now. So, um, I bought points for everything, but I did apply for antelope, muzzleloader antelope. Oh, so I did apply for that. Um, <laughs> everything funny. else was, was points only just because it's all, you know, it's the August, September is what is when I want to hunt in Colorado and that yeah. sheep hunt just kind of it pushed me back a year, which, Hey, I'll, I'll take all day long yeah. for a sheep hunt. So you have a sheep hunt book. Yeah. Yep. Stone sheep. Yep. Stone sheep. What part of the world? Uh, BC. Okay. And what dates? I was going to say that I was just going to say the town and yeah. good thing yeah, I spaced on that. Sorry, my bad. I forgot I, we were. I should have no, known B- better BC, to ask. But. I'm going to BC in uh, August 1st, hunt open. So I'm going to leave July 29th and then head up there. And you're booked for 15 days? 14. 14. Mm-hmm. And you've killed one, right? I did a long time ago, yeah. What was it like as far as hunt, hunt goes? The most incredible what are they? What are they the like to hunt? Incredible. I mean, pretty typical, like hunting a dog. Look, I, I've been unbelievably fortunate to hunt all of the species except Rocky. I've been on a Rocky hunt, but I've I've been fortunate to kill all of them mm-hmm. myself except for Rocky. The stones are incredible because they live like they're they're in the pine trees. Like they're much more at tree line than mm. like what you know the dolls are. Yeah. You see the open videos country. of people on dolls, super open, big open faces, white sheep on mm-hmm. a green face. Like yep. it's it's awesome. I mean, it's definitely awesome. But man, there's the stones are the special one in my opinion. Like Har- that's harder to glass, huh? Unbelievably harder harder to glass. Really? Yeah. Huh. Unbelievably Just harder. The same color. As the- yeah, same color. I mean, they do have that white on them, and if mm-hmm. sometimes right. some of those color phased ones will be like bright, brighter white on the necks and the butts, and those ones are a little easier. But those old, like copper colored, dark old rams, you know, those mm-hmm. ones are those ones are tough. And it's just cooler. I mean, you have so much more opportunity to to hunt them in the tree line, like actually in the pines. Mm-hmm. Um, they're in like that big shale bowl, piney stuff. It's just, it's awesome. That's really cool. Stone sheep, uh, what they call a thin horn sheep, thin horn, right? Yeah. yeah. So you have doll sheep and, and stones, right? And fannin. And fannin. Okay. Yeah. Fannin's a cross between stone cross, sheep. they right? say, yeah. Is that what they say? I mean, Would, I, I don't know enough I don't, about I don't know either, but that's my understanding. Is but I that's thought. my understanding is, and then some people try to fight it and say it's not a cross. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just relaying what I've heard yeah. over it's the own, years. It's own, its own, it's own thing, yeah. <laughs> like gotcha. a Cali kind gotcha. of a thing, you know? What's a big stone score? 160? So book is 168. Just okay. as, so desert, oh, wow. doll, and stone are all booked at 168, which, I mean, if you're killing thin horns nowadays at 168, holy yeah, shit, that would be you, have done, you have done something. <laughs> You've hung like, the moon. Yes, you have done huh. something. So a big, I mean, my first stone was 155, and it's just a great, solid ram, just an unbelievable ram, you know, lamb-tipped and... 13-year-old ram was so awesome. They're, they're not as heavy, heavy, yeah? I mean, just no. thin horns, so base, base yep. measurements aren't nearly as big. Correct. But long. Can get long, yeah. Can get really long. How long? Like 35? 30. You're, shooting, you're, you're hoping to find 38, and if you break 40, it's you've hung the moon once again. Gotcha. Like, it's just, it's one of those. Huh. One of those things. Yeah, it's just like one of those things I've never really put much yeah. thought or looking into. I mean, I've only hunted them once. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. We'll see how, and it was, it was a while ago, so this is... You know, yeah. I'm a lot more mature. I'm a lot better hunter. Um, I know a lot more just about hunting in general. I mean, you think that's yeah, shit. That's twenty, how uh, many fifteen years, years of hunting F- in between? Fifteen. About yeah, twelve, twelve years hunting in between. That's gotcha. a lot. Yeah, that um, that's crazy. It'd be almost an entirely different experience. Yeah. So I mean, that's how yeah, I'm thinking with, about with, it. I mean, you'll it's go like, into that being much better hunter. You know, you've yeah, you've handled. I'm a, de- I'm a father now. Like it's just it's yeah. wildly different. You know. 
Yeah, that is interesting. So it's it's like I don't know. It's like I've never done it because it was so long ago. Um, and I, re- I obviously I remember it. It's one of the most incredible hunts I've ever been on. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's like it's kind of going into new territory for me right now. I don't feel confident or comfortable. I'll tell you that. Like I'm kind of stressing out about gear and setup and this is just. I mean, yeah, it's coming it's been quick. so long. Yeah. So. Jeez, that's crazy. So, anyways, that infringed on my on my uh, Colorado stuff, which, like I said, gladly all fucking day. Yeah, <laughs> I'll let it infringe on Colorado for for a sheep hunt. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's what I did in Colorado. Doesn't bust your guys' balls to apply for points? It does. It does. Because <laughs> you just know you you just you know you're out. Like you don't even have the chance. Yeah. Of email. Yeah. You don't even. You're not even it's really like, in, yeah, in, in like the whatever. mix. And when the results come back, you're not like excited when yeah. everyone else is like, "Oh, Colorado's also yeah. coming out today." Like, yeah, well, you're just like, I, just, I got my point. So at least know. I applied for my my muzzleload hunt that I love. So maybe. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I applied last day, last hour. Ooh, stretching it. Yeah, and I thought it was a game, game time decision. Just game time. Yeah, I mean, and like I, I applied for elk, I applied for the unit that I was planning on applying for, but then I just, for whatever reason, I spent probably 20 minutes going, <laughs> and I'd written the application strategy article, so I had some units in the back of my head that I, I was interested in, and so I just threw uh, my kid in, he and I both for a third season deer tag in a unit, <laughs> I've been kind of eyeballing, and then also put him in for a first season elk tag, so oh, there you go. he should draw the elk tag, uh, maybe 50% odds or something for a third season deer tag, and just new unit just i've said it before and i'm gonna continue to say it but holy shit i can't wait till my son is yeah just because it's another added level of hunts to go after yeah the one thing he'll be he'll be 18 in june so it's like this is it like bro you have an 18 year old (laughs) (laughs) holy shit somebody said that to me the other day and i was like oh sloan yeah we talked to sloan yeah sloan was like you have kids and i was like yeah man i have a i have an 18 year old and he was like what 18 you're the coolest Forty year old know, dad man. I've ever met. Yeah, eighteen. Forty yeah, I'll be forty four this year. He, he has a great mustache. He's the best too. he's the coolest forty four year old. Yeah, dad the on mustache. I usually start with a beard. I was telling you earlier, but I start with a beard. I let that grow out until it just looks terrible because it's not thick enough. It's not like yours. <laughs> and then I, I trim it up and I usually go to a mustache and a goatee. And then the goatee after a couple of days, I'm like, yeah, I don't like that. So I just, I, <laughs> I go, go to back. a mustache. I'll rock a mustache for a week and then it's back to. Over. So are you going to. It's a rotation. So you're going to keep this for our hunt? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll keep the mustache. Sloan has a good mustache. So yeah. I figured I'd have to have a mustache. Yeah. Hell yeah. Love it. Yep. Trail's got the rolled jeans, the cool shoes. Yeah, the mustache. It's got great style, the mustache, yeah, the runner's hat. The hat fits the mustache, right? Yeah, that's a good style. <laughs> Renzo's got the rally uh, cap going on and out backwards yeah, hat. So it's been a, been a day. It's about a million degrees in here. I know, that's uh, it was kind of like getting Whew. ready, prepared for the, the hotness. We're going to need a cold plunge in here. We mm. uh, we did these open ceilings. I don't know if anybody's ever been to the office. I'm sure they've noticed we did these big, like, slated open ceilings, which is awesome for the vibe in here, right? Like, yeah, yeah it looks cool. We were super pumped when we were building this office out. Super not pumped during the summer, though. Yeah, just, it's just, AC not, just, just not cooled out. Yeah, it's hot in here. Who would have thought, right? You, yeah, anyways. So you apply in Utah? So this, I, when this comes out, you'll have seven days. So you, I've, Utah I've, will be top of mind for most people. I mm-hmm. have not applied yet. But I feel like I have a great strategy going in because that deadline got pushed back so much. So I have mm-hmm. had a lot more time to research, you know. Our app strategy articles went out, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. um, long time ago, well in time for uh, the deadline coming up. But oh, got some points. And mm-hmm. then maybe think about, you know, cashing them in. Elk, antelope, I mean, what, what are you talking? Elk, antelope, mule deer? The fair species. Mule deer. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yes. So hopefully Utah will take my points. <clears throat> um, looking at one of those, you know, general, general season uh, Utah hunts. Yeah. I really want my Utah antelope tag. One of these years, man. Newberg hit me up over the weekend with an email. That antelope? Yeah. Him and his kid, I don't know if I should say. They're sitting on a bunch of points. Yeah, he's yeah. told me that before. Yeah. So, yeah, so, so I was like looking to that, for opportunities. Uh, his elk, or antelope talk live the other day. Yeah. He was mentioning his Utah points quite a yeah, bit. Yeah, an outdoor class. Yeah. Yeah. I got I got a pile of points there, too, for antelope. 15. He's kind of a uh, antelope nut. He is. Oh, he is. Like, he's way more than me. No. But him and I get along. Can't be more than you. I, he is. Have you him seen your I, antelope wall in there? I know. I know. But when him and I hunted high country in Wyoming, we were driving Bo absolutely fucking nuts. Because all him antelope. and I would talk about was antelope. <laughs> we're sitting in the high country chasing mule deer, and Bo was getting getting a little frustrated. But we're like, man, yeah. wish we were hunting antelope down in the valley. The good thing about being a resident in Utah is that you, I don't know if it's a good, I think it's a good thing. So if a resident of Utah, you have to pick your limited entry species. So I can't apply for limited entry deer, limited entry elk, and limited entry antelope in the same year. I have to pick them, right? Mm-hmm. And then if you draw a limited entry species, like I drew elk last year, I'm on a, a waiting period. So I can't actually apply again for five years, right? So in the meantime, I get to apply for antelope or you know, mule deer and for mule deer, I'm just like, I don't want to chase those units cause I can hunt general season units. Yeah. And if I hunt really hard, I can do pretty good, but there's a ton of antelope units you can draw in Utah as a resident with very few points Yeah, for, for archery for sure. So I was looking, <clears throat> I think I've got, I think I've got one or two points from a previous period. That's another thing I like about Utah is that keep them. Yeah. You keep them. Yeah. yeah they don't just like cancel them out. You know, yeah. they should, I mean, you should be able to keep them. Yeah. You it's paid crazy for them, right? That, yeah. you, apply, you applied for them. So, um, yeah, I think I've got 50, 60% odds of drawing an antelope tag, which I'd be so stoked. And Utah's got some good bucks too, yeah. man. Like Utah, Nevada, a lot of people overlook those for antelope. They're they're pretty good. Yep. My best, my best, my own, my only book buck is... Out of U- Utah? Yeah, Utah yeah. archery buck. Yeah. yeah. So overlooked though. It's yeah. crazy. So if I drew that Utah antelope tag, I would be over the moon. Yeah. I would be so stoked. Just no, that. I've never killed one with my bow. I oh, really, really want to kill one with my bow, yeah. Yeah, you should. You would spot and stock or water hole. Would you do water hole? I don't know. Or is it I'm not, not, the, not the same for you? It's not not the same, but it's definitely the way to kill a big one. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. You had a target one. So I don't know. I, I would love to spot and stalk them. That's why I like that muzzleload hunt in Colorado so much. Mm-hmm. It buys you that extra 20 yards, you mm-hmm. know, 100-yard shot. It's, it's doable. Yeah. I mean, it's super primitive in Colorado for muzzleloader, so it's kind of an archery hunt, but you get that extra 20 yards. Yep. Um, you got so, elk points anyways. in Utah? I do, yeah, a lot. You going to cash them in? No, because of the sheep hunt. Oh, you're still, put you're, me, you still put wait. me back to back, yeah. Man, I have such a hard time. That's I always think I'm gonna try to wait and like build, you know, points and potentially, but then the draws come up and I start looking at all the very various yeah. hunts that are available and I'm, I get excited and I start applying. I end up with more permits than I can hunt. Yeah, that's not a bad thing. Not definitely not a bad thing. Yeah, if you can but turn yeah. them back some places, which mm-hmm. you can, it's kind of nice. But what do you think you're gonna eventually do? on the technology side in Utah for scoped muzzleloaders. What are so, you hearing, hearing anything about that? Because uh, I know it didn't, it's not in the, you know, the, the rack notes. It wasn't part yeah, of it I right didn't, now. I didn't but see the it. rack notes had some change, but it yeah. didn't touch on the, which is kind of crazy what they're talking about and not the scoped muzzleloaders, but. Yeah, I haven't heard, I haven't heard anything new on scoped muzzleloaders. So I don't know if anything's going to become of it. The one that everybody's kind of talking about right now is radio. Radio, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that one was pretty blatantly stated. Yeah, that one's pretty, pretty plainly stated. Yeah. What's your guys' thought on radios? I mean, it's a, it's yeah. communication. Like, yeah. I, I don't, I don't, I don't think you can, 
I don't. I, I find it very hard to police humans on communication. So do you? Th- it's just it's, so it's what it we from, do, right? Yeah, like but let's we are take it able from a stand- to communicate. Yeah, but let's take it from a standpoint of like fair chase and yeah. ethics. And mm-hmm. If it was just pure, so, take the law enforcement, like enforcing the law off the table. Like yeah. let's say it was, you know, was possible to enforce it. Like, do you think that it's? Would you consider it fair chase? What's your opinion? I don't consider it fair chase. You don't? personally. I, I do. Yeah. I don't see how you could consider a scoped muzzleloader fair chase primitive, but mm-hmm. you could take away a radio and now that's considered fair chase. Like humans are able to communicate and that's that is one of our you know, one of our biggest weapons in being successful hunting. It, it's still not a guarantee, right? Like we've all hunted with radios, right? Like I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not afraid to say that. I've hunted with radios quite a bit and like Still, I mean, there's you're still in their world trying mm-hmm. to get them killed in their house and what they know and they know how to do. You are wildly out uh, mm-hmm. performed physically. Like, uh, it's just, yeah, I don't know. I just, th- I think one of our biggest weapons um, in hunting animals to be successful is communication. Mm-hmm. But do you think, does it draw a line though? Because it does make it easier to go kill an animal. Like, it definitely it helps. It really does. Like that, you can literally like tell someone said. to draw your bow, animals coming out on a radio. You can literally walk them right in with your spotting scope. Yeah. I mean, when you, when you, when you start saying like exact examples, like draw your bow, he's walking. I mean, that's look, I'm in the, I'm in the, in the park of communication is, is what humans do. And I don't want to take that away from, from us. Um, but like you, you can point at certain ones where there definitely is like a gray area. Where's your kind of moral compass on that one, mm-hmm. right? Um, but man, I, I don't know. Like that's our that's our biggest weapon that we have is being able to communicate with somebody in the glass and somebody going after the animal losing sight. Yeah, I I can think of a bunch of times that I've gone on stocks that again because I hunt alone a lot where I've either got there and the animal's gone or. I thought the animal was one place and he wasn't and I made a mistake and screwed yeah. up and, you know, buggered him out. But, um, I could definitely see how it would be beneficial. I haven't, I haven't, it's been a long time since I've hunted with somebody with a radio. I have done it, but it's been like 20 years ago mm-hmm. with, with my dad. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know where I land on it. I don't know if it's, uh, I don't know if, I don't know if I think it's unethical in my opinion, cause you're still hunting an animal. You're still, you're still, my, hunting, you're still, you're still hunting an animal. It's still, it's not like you're poaching in my yeah. opinion. You're not shooting yeah. it out of season. I, exactly. I don't feel, I don't feel unethical about it. That's the box I'm in. Like you can definitely point to certain, but then I could also point to, okay, thousand yard shots. Like, right. I, I mean, mean, if you're going to police stuff, right. For the, for the benefit of the animal. I mean, if you're taking away radios, then people are going to start taking 800 yard shots instead of trying to get closer to 300. I'm just point. I mean, who knows if yeah. that's actually going to happen? I think I'm it's fairly common for people to use a spotter and then you know flagging techniques. You know, yeah. so you've got you look back to your guy and everybody kind of works out hand signals yeah. like, hey, he's going this way, he's going yeah. that way. You have a, a flag and hold it up, or yeah. you know, he's sleeping or moving or whatever it is. So like, I think people are. I mean, is that unethical? Is it different that you have a radio and an earpiece? I think it's different because you don't have an earpiece. You're not getting that real-time feedback where you don't have to communicate with someone. You literally can just listen and work yourself right in there, which is part of me. It's like you're taking away the aspect of the hunt, Mm -hmm. more putting it in your control rather than letting things naturally play out. I mean, I I get it. I'm, I'm a very understanding person. I see it from the other side. I see your side for sure. I just I'm I'm in the box of communication is like our key to success. Yeah, that's my my stance. But it sounds like that one will become illegal. 
right? Or yeah. is. Yeah. You know, um, Which is cool. Like, it is what it is. Yeah, it is I'm what it is. Whatever. It doesn't bug me one bit, yeah. one, one, one way or the other. But mm-hmm. I, I thought it was interesting. <laughs> That's an interesting one. But I haven't heard anything about muzzleloaders. Yeah, because I was just wondering, like, I could see that going back. Mm-hmm. Like, no, I'll be honest, like, sure, I have a long-range gun. Mm-hmm. Maybe the rifle seasons, anything, anything can go because it's a, you know, any legal weapon for the most part season. So sure, you could be able to do whatever you want. But when you get to these more primitive weapons, keeping it primitive yeah. is probably a good thing. Like my scoped muzzleloader that I built is, when it comes down to it, a single shot rifle. Yeah. I can shoot 400 yards all day with a muzzleloader. Which is wild. when you're on a primitive hunt, <laughs> like uh, I would honestly, even though I love long range shooting, love mm-hmm. all this stuff, I would prefer it, you know, maybe to go back to you know, that one X like it used to be, iron sights. You know, maybe that'll give the deer, I'm talking deer again, a chance to, you know, survive those seasons rather yeah. than getting kind of hammered hard during the muzzleloader hunts because they are maybe, maybe there's some statistics you can look at, probably should have pulled it up before, but maybe the muzzleloader seasons are getting more harvest success, you know, increasing because of the, Yeah, you know know what's interesting is when I I worked for the Division of Wildlife, I remember when this was uh, made legal, like magnified scopes, right? And I remember at the time there was a fair number of us that worked at the division that didn't love, you know, the. I mean, I wouldn't say that we were necessarily for or against it, but we were kind of like, yeah, it kind of sucks, you know, we don't want to really see muzzleloaders have scopes on, right? And I remember having discussions with, with other people that worked there at the division, you know, people that were you know, f- further up the chain than I was. And, you know, a lot of them were like, you know, it, it's going to make people more ethical. It's going to make, yeah. yeah, it's going to make those shots much more, you know, lethal. So you're going to have more accuracy. So in their mind, I think a lot of people thought it was a, a good thing. And then, mm-hmm. but I, don't I nec- can see, I can see but it. I, I but I don't necessarily that. think people, I mean, even when they put that into effect where you could use a magnified scope, I don't think a lot of people were, <laughs> That was, that was like right on the cusp of like these long range muzzleloaders, people yeah. being able to now, yeah. you know, I think, I think they were thinking, Hey, we're going to put a scope on a muzzleloader that you can still shoot 150 yards, but now yep. you can actually see what you're aiming at. Right. Yeah. But then I don't think we had the, you know, the foresight to see that people were going to build a muzzleloader that can then shoot 500 yards or 600 yards and accurately. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So I don't know that that was in the mix at the time. And to go back to the comparison of that with the, with radios, right? Like, that's supposed to be a primitive thing where I would imagine that was their thought mm-hmm. coming from the, the fish and wildlife is, you know, it's going to make a 150 yard shot. You can actually see where you're aiming yeah. instead of not knowing where, yeah. you know, and where losing, you're beating. losing more yeah. animals. Mm-hmm. But you know what, like with the communication, like you think archery, I mean, you're, you still have to get in there still 50 to, yeah. yards. You're still dealing, still dealing with wind and thermals and sound, other, other and animals, movements, and other animals and all this stuff where now you get a muzzleloader stretch it out to 500 yards. That's out the window. Right. Yep. So it's like, you know, you can see where I'm coming mm-hmm. from on that. Yeah. And sometimes I think too, I think too on the same side, it's like, okay, so you have these muzzleloaders that you can put a scope on. You have inlines, you can be dialed out to four or 500 yards. But the percentage of people that might take it to that level is probably pretty slim as well because you're going to have, have a cost negative towards building a muzzleloader like that. You have to have the time to go shoot True. said muzzleloader. So in essence, too, you might think, oh, yeah, we all see everyone has it, but realize what we're in a niche circle where we all are really into it. So it might seem like there's a lot more people that have these technology advancements when really they might not the general public all isn't using inlines, giant turrets, True. adjustable to be 99 percent i would say yeah so there's probably a very few people normal. who have that normal. and they're still yeah. just using their normal muzzle with the scope yards. still shooting 150 yards so 
it's hard to we're in this bubble and we don't really think outside that bubble a lot. That maybe it's true. You, you only know technology. what you see and our, our network is definitely it's a few know, bad apples like you, Brady, that are pushing <laughs> yep. You're ruining it for the rest of us. I do. Yeah, you know. All I want to shoot is 150 yards with the scope muzzleloader, and you're making it. <laughs> and, and, and even when they did it, they're taking away my scope. Yeah, but it makes a good point, though. Like when they made that change, I remember you killed the buck that year, and you still had a 1X scope I, on it. I still have a 1X scope. Yeah, you still <laughs> haven't changed. Yeah, I haven't so changed. So for you, it's like, it works. Yeah, like, I mean, I, it. yeah. So, so again, though, people could... Even though it's losses, you can do anything. You could, I could roll out there with an iron sight and just make it more challenging for myself. Mm-hmm. Like I honestly still could use a primitive weapon and not go to the crazy level. Uh, but yeah, there's a percentage of us who might want to take it to the extreme because it's fun. And then and it, you know, and have it something that might increase a little bit. Success. Increase success. But like I said too, it increases the confidence. So I can now have the confidence when if, if it was a 150 yard shot, I can zoom my scope in and I know I'm going to kill that animal where yeah. before it might have been. Eh, yeah. You know, because muzzlers are still pretty finicky to begin with. Yeah, and that front sight, I mean, it's not thin. Isn't it interesting that, like, the individual complexities that people deal with? Yeah. Because you have Brady. Brady's the guy that wouldn't mind taking an 800-yard shot on a, on a deer or mountain lion with a rifle. But then Phil's a little bit conflicted about using radios. Yeah. So it's it's like, yeah. So like I'm definitely. It, it's interesting the internal in my own complexities ways, like of what every I think hunter. is right and what I think is not yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's kind of wild, huh? I guess it's hard too. It's hard where, I mean, I kind of I, I don't like the way that things are being done currently in Utah. I don't like that bills are being. Uh, you know, I don't know. You wouldn't. I wouldn't say that they're being completely snuck through, but in some ways they are. Right? Those yeah. are never hitting the rack process. They're not hitting the wildlife board. They're yeah. just being, you know, written in a bill and then passed through, and and their law. Right. Mm-hmm. I, and I don't like that. I mean, Utah went a lot of states, to be honest, but Utah specifically, they've gone through this whole process of developing these regional advisory councils. They have scheduled meetings and notes and the public gets an opportunity to sit, you know, show up and, and speak their voice. And, um, you know, that each one of those has a, a board, if you will, a number of people that are on that. And then you have the wildlife board. And, and in my opinion, I mean, I think. I would like to see that be the way that laws are set versus yeah. just ran through a bill. And I, yeah. I don't like that. That bugs me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Agreed. Cause that's a bad precedence for yeah, future you just, things. You just never know. Anti-hunters. You could have wolves reintroduced. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Which I mean, you know, I just, it, it's sets a bad precedence in my opinion, but I, I don't dig that at all. And back to the like the t- technology side, the muzzleloader versus primitive muzzleloader, it's the same sort of kind of argument a lot of people have too about, you know, archery, compound bows versus recurves. A guy who's a diehard compound person might knock on the recurve because it could be considered less, you know, ethical or, you know, because there is such a greater chance of error using a yeah. recurve compared to a compound. So maybe, you know, you're going to wound more animals with something that's more primitive compared to that dude just had a compound bow and was able to make that 33 yard shot perfectly mm-hmm. rather with a recurve at 33 yards, things could be a little bit iffy. So you could say the same sort of argument with the muzzle loaders. Primitive might, you know, have more wounding because it's more finicky weapon where the guy just had a adjustable scope and was able to see it clearly, put on a rest, put on a bipod and shoot it and yeah. done deal. So there's that, there's a lot of different arguments people can make on all different sides of this subject. No question. That's why it's like when it comes down to the individual, like you said, it's just, it's interesting the internal conflictions of of everyone's thoughts. Yeah, y'all got you kind of got to make your make your own way, right? Yeah. Kind of decide what works for you and what doesn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and how you feel personally about your own, I guess ethics. I guess I would yeah. say I, I would yeah. say I mean you, you, everybody should strive for 
you know, quick efficient kill, of that course, kind of thing yeah. or whatever it might be. And, you know, to live within the rules, but it is interesting the allowances that you make within yourself. And then other things are just a no, no, like radios. Like radios. radios. Or even, you know, you're, you're a Montana guy, though. Yeah. I came, came from Montana that world. was it's always never like that. Allowed, yeah. yeah. You hippies in Montana. But, but then again, like, do you, where do you draw the line? Okay, radio communication is not allowed, but what about if I want to text trail a photo exactly. of where he's at on the mountain That's compared where, my where mind the deer goes. And I can literally take that photo, I can screenshot it. I can take the little draw tool. I can draw on there. You're here. Deer's here and send them that. So that's also <laughs> not too, it's kind of two, I guess a two way communication, I'm communication in, but it's not real time. It's not real time there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what, what about taking your cell phone out of your pocket before you go on a stock and you take a picture take of the picture. landscape and then you take a, you know, marker on your photo and mark where that buck or bull is bedded and then off you go. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that didn't exist 20 years ago either. And it exists in so spades should, now. Should, should, yeah, I mean, yeah. everybody does that. In fact, it's highly touted. That is a tactic you that's should tactic, use. Yeah. Like, I mean, you're dumb if you don't. Yeah, yeah it's, it's like that's the thing that's conflicting. And you say, I'm you know, on board with this, but not on board with that. Like, I'm fine with that stuff. But the real-time radio is where my head, I'm you know, getting across the line of, is it ethical yeah. or not? But again, those tools are available. And sure, I'll use the photo thing, dropping waypoints. You know, recording a video even, zooming in, zooming out, getting the whole lay of the land. Like, You know, the yeah. best thing about radios is when you got a, a cheap set of radios and you're close to a highway. And you, yeah, and you, you pick, pick up on everyone, <laughs> everyone on a road trip. You pick <laughs> up on all the truckers talking back and uh, forth. Got ourselves a convoy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's funny. Well, I used to do a lot of shed hunting. We'd all have radios. You know, you keep in yeah. touch with my brother. Hey, you find anything? No, but you'd always have truckers down yeah. in the canyon talking. That's so funny. That mm -hmm. was always comical. Because the whole two-way thing, to keep going on that, like you can do that right now in an inReach. Yeah. yeah. You can inReach to inReach, and I could share an exact location. Like, hey, I saw an animal here. I can share him the exact yeah. UTMs through an inReach and do the same sort of random yeah. communications through there, even though it's not as real-time because it takes a little bit for that satellites to send your message. But like... Yeah. There's a lot of ways people can do it. Yeah, now, I mean, right? I just, like I said, I, I just, I believe the human species' biggest strength is the ability to quickly and clearly communicate. Like, that's that's just, that's what we have, what we're capable of. That's one of the, I mean, radios is one of these things. It's kind of, it's in a gray area, right? I mean, some yeah. people might not see it as ethical. Some people do. That's This is one of those situations, in my opinion, where I think it ought to be left up to the, the vote of the public. Exactly. I think this is one that should be voted on by the people, not... Yeah. Not a person or not just you know, a, gr a group by of senators or legislators yeah. that decide, yeah, we don't like that. Yeah. Like, I think this yeah. should be the actual people that are out in the field and have an opportunity yeah. to voice their opinion and yay or nay. Yeah. And if they go to Montana style, like, okay, cool. Then yeah. that's yeah. what it is. So be, so be it. If it gets yeah. voted on like that, all right. Then yeah, I would feel much better about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting, though. We'll see what it happens, I guess. Yeah, speaking of Utah, you guys want to talk about snowpack? You want to talk about yeah. survival? Oh, we should dive That's into the, that. That's the big news. Everybody's yeah. talking about the weather, survival. Yeah, you, you, you pulled a bunch of data into this. Yeah, really, I was, look, really I was cool. looking at it earlier. So people have been asking. I've had a bunch of DMs. People asking, hey, should I apply in Utah, southwest Wyoming, you know, Idaho? And I would say, you know, looking at the, the information, I'll talk a little bit about Utah, but we'll, we'll dive into, you know, Western Wyoming and kind of run through some of the survival and just statistics that I'm hearing. Um, so Utah, um, and I pulled this, I apologize. I didn't, I should have talked to Randy. So this is Randy Larson from BYU. He works uh, at BYU, does some shout out Randy, shout out Randy. <laughs> Randy's good dude. Um, but he, uh, he put some stuff out via social media and just kind of ran through. This is some of the caller data that they've pulled. 
And this is for survival. And again, Utah has a huge, like a very robust collar uh, study that they've gone, they've got going on. So as you look down through this, they have adult female doe survival, um, you know, box elder, northwestern Utah there, which is kind of mostly rolling sagebrush, oak, that kind of stuff, 90%, cash, 83%, so which is actually higher. We're talking about survival. Survival, yeah, 83% survival. Of those collared. Is, yeah, of those collared. And I should say that. I mean, this is a sample, so it's yeah. not like foolproof, but mm -hmm. it's a sample. But I'm sure they have the right it's, sample it's size a sample so they can size. kind of extrapolate. It's, yeah. yeah, it's definitely a, a, enough of a... The, they're learning some information. They can extrapolate yeah. off that. It's yeah. probably statistically significant in yeah, some yeah. sort of way. Yep. So cash, which I'd been up to Logan to visit my parents, and I was surprised, I mean, to see 83%. 83, and this again, this is from probably a week and a half, two weeks old, I guess. But we're, we're kind of at the tail end of March, which we yeah. should have started to trip over into you know, warmer temperatures and things starting to green up. As you look down through this, you kind of see Morgan Southridge, 33%. Ooh. So you're talking like that Wasatch back country. You're talking basically the Wasatch front if you're driving up I-15, the backside of that range. So that's that Morgan Rich country. Wallsburg is kind of, uh, uh, what's the name of that town? Just south of Park City. It runs to Heber. Heber. So Heber country, that's that Wallsburg kind of country. You're talking 20% survival. 20%. 20%. This is adult female does. 20%. 20%. Yeah, and those are kind of the most notable as you run down through the list. Um, I thought it was really interesting as you look through a bunch <laughs> of, the, of the units. You're talking basically everything from, you know, like the Manti, Manti 84% uh, survival, Nebo 83%. That kind of sits in the center of the state. But you get south of that country, you get down into like the Beaver, the Monroe, Penguin Lake, Boulder, Pine Valley, 90 plus percent. So awesome. 95% on the Monroe, 94% survival on the Penguin Lake, 91% uh, on the Pine Valley, 95 on the Zion. Wow. So you're actually seeing like record, you know, really, really high survival. adult doe survival, especially in those southern units. And, um, you know, one thing I will say is I drove down this morning. Uh, yesterday there in Cedar City was like 62 degrees. All that snow in the low country is pretty well dissipated. Really? Yeah, sagebrush looks healthy. Looks is it greened good. up at all? It's greened up a ton. Yeah, good. Yeah, just like that. It's so crazy how quick one. Yeah, one, one good sunshine. One few, yeah. yeah, just a few days of sunshine, yeah. it just pops. Just green grass starting to grow. It's awesome. Um, I should note uh, fawn survival, which is interesting. Cash, 8% survival for fawns. So your fawns are dying. 8% survival. 8%. 8%. What's your, what, you being ex-biologist, uh, mm -hmm. what's your what's your take on that? It's going to be a hard hit in four years, three years? Four, yeah, three to four. So essentially what, I mean, as you look down through the six-month fawn survival, um, very, I mean, there, there's some pockets where it's pretty good, but, but again, kind of that same country, Wasatch back, Northern Utah is where you're getting hit and you're getting hit with your yeah. fawns. Right. So essentially what's going to happen is you've got that delay. So, you know, you're not having those animals recruited into the population. So you, you're, you're essentially going to be missing an entire age. You're group. Yeah. Essentially missing yeah. that group. So you're going to have, I mean, provided, what really happens is like when you have back to back years or two or three years of, you know, either hardcore drought or hardcore winter and drought combined, that's when you really start to see like massive die off. 
Whereas if you have a year like this, where you've got a pretty hard winter, it's going to yield better forage and a better range going into the summer. So those animals that do survive, like the, the, the adult does that have fawns in June, they're going to be healthy and those fawns should be healthy. Like they should yeah. be born healthy and you should have pretty decent recruitment going forward, provided mother nature does her, you know, does yeah, her, her job, job and she doesn't dump a bunch of snow and cold weather next year or drought. But yeah, essentially you're missing that age class for that year for, you know, yeah. perpetuity. So yeah. that's why I want to talk about, like about Wyoming, for example, there's, I mean, tons of people talk about G and H um, you know, what should I do with my points for G and H or, yeah. you know, but everybody's looking at it. Well, it's like, I, you either go this year or you wait four years. Yeah. Cause you're, yep. you're going to be missing that age class. Cause for, going next year, those deer aren't going to be mm-hmm. there. Do you think it's a risk going this year with how it's sitting right now? Um, a weighted risk. Yeah. I mean, so, if, I mean, I looked a little bit at, uh, at Wyoming, that Western Wyoming, the Wyoming range. Um, Kind of what I'm hearing is like 50% mortality. Um, I'm hearing as much as like 90% for fawns. So you're talking 50% of your adult adult does. And again, they don't have nearly the number of animals collared there that they do in Utah. Yeah. So it's, you know, much less of a, it's more of a snapshot, if you will. But, mm. um, you know, let's say it's 40, 50%. That's a bunch of adults that are going to die. But... I mean, in my opinion, you're still going to have those two, three, you know, even four-year-old bucks that probably made it that are mm-hmm. going to make it. And I think there's going to be some big bucks this year just because it'll be good feed on the back end of it. Mm-hmm. So I still think it'd be a decent year to have a tag in either G or H. But as that goes forward, like I said, you're missing that age class. Yeah. So you're going to have, you know, you're going to want to wait a few years, four years. Couldn't you say, too, that there's going to be more feed available for the deer that do survive? Because it'd be a little bit less competition, too, for in sure. some of these summer ranges. So. Like I said, the potential for antler growth could be pretty good, the ones that do survive. Yeah, we'll talk about antler growth here in a sec because I had some ideas about it. I was just curious. Yeah. I wanted to, so te- I, to either debunk or confirm some myths, the things that you hear about antler growth. There but, you go. Yeah. I, have, I have the snow water equivalent map pulled up on my computer mm-hmm. in Utah right now. In southwestern Utah, so like you know Zion, Pine Valley, 311 percent of the 20 year <laughs> Holy shit. average. 80 year high. 80 year high in Utah, they're saying. Yeah. So like look across the state too, like the lowest one right now is 189%. Mm-hmm. Wow. But like, you know, you got the Wasatch 224, just out there 228. Like there's some 272s, a couple other 300s, like the whole state is blue. That's crazy. You compare yeah. that to years prior, it's a, it paints a different picture, you know? Yeah, no question. It's, it's something years, to be, years prior, very ugly the opposite way. Yep. Yeah. And it paints a picture too. Um, shoot, what was I going to say about that? Uh, come back to me on that. <laughs> I'll come back I, to I, I thought up. I lost it. I was going to run down through here real quick, just hit some other units as far as six-month-old uh, fawn survival. Um, South Slope, which is, again, northern Utah, the UNS, 43% was one of the lower ones. Again, though, you start to look at a lot of those southern U- southern Utah units, the Pine Valley, 84% survival, Monroe, 85%. And this is... These are fawns, six month, you know, eight mm-hmm. month old fawns. Um, the average, this is interesting. So he suggested that the average uh, survival for adult female deer is about 82%, and the average for uh, fawns is about 50%. So you can see what, like, a Monroe at 85% survival rate when average is typically 50. You got oh, some buddy. potential there to really grow some deer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, you yeah. know, and then you're going to have does going into the summer, pregnant does having fawns that are going to be born should be born healthy and 
You know, it could be really good things. That's the thing about this is like you talk winter kill. Yeah, it sucks in pockets. And it, and we're primarily talking like that three corners area, Utah, Wyoming, Idaho. Yep. Um, yeah, you're going to see some winter kill. And definitely you're seeing a bunch of pronghorn dyes, you know, mule deer, elk are doing awesome. So <laughs> They are doing awesome. <laughs> I mean, rel- rel- relatively speaking, I've seen some pretty ugly looking elk in people's, you know, pictures and posts. I mean, mm-hmm. just sunken back straps and hips. So, I mean, they're not perfect, but they're making it right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think we all paint a picture of like doom and gloom when it comes to winter kill and, and definitely there are pockets, but we also, the, the backside of that is the potential mm-hmm. for some real good. I mean, improved summer ranges that we probably haven't seen in God knows how long. Yeah. You know what I mean? So there's, there is kind of a silver lining when you think about it that way. Um, but we're not, that thing I was going to mention before, but we're not totally out of the clear. No. Like April can be a really scary month. And even mm-hmm. that early part of May, like if we get some more of this heavy, heavy weather, snow, freeze, yeah, like we're not out of it. Yeah. I was, I was reading one article talking about why uh, April is kind of the make or break. Right. And you think about April, typically I think of well, you guys, I'm sure you think of sunshine, you know, every, you know, hundred degree days, right. In April down here. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, April, why would April be such a hard time? And I think it's, I think it's because of the, the freeze thaw, right? So you've mm-hmm. got deep snows, you have warm temperatures that warm up, <laughs> thaw it, and then freezes hard again at night, and it makes it hard for those animals to, you know, paw down, get through the the crust, and it just expends a bunch of energy. So I think that's why uh, April could still be a make or break in some areas. But I, I mean, Southern Utah, Manti South, I, I think it's going to be a banner year. I think it's going to be good growth and, and good for the deer herd and elk. Yeah. So then speaking on Utah specifically still, do you think since the app deadline got pushed back, mm-hmm. so obviously it was pushed back way before the, we knew this winter was going to be bad. But don't say do what th- I think you're going to say. Do you think we're going to have <laughs> people jumping to these lower part of the Utah to apply in these southern units compared to northern part of the state because of that, because knowing that, well, Winter kill could be heavy up here. I'm not going to bring my point this year. I have some points built up. I'm going to move south and hunt the southern units this year, which then could involve some point creep going up for the people who do have points. And on the flip side, the people who you know burned their points last year, now they're wishing they had enough points to get some tags down south. So what are they going to do? You know, wait out or move north? It's like, a good question. I know what I would do. Yeah, I think I you will. Yeah. And I think, I mean, historically, those southern units have always been more popular anyway, just because yeah. it's got better habitat, less people. You know, less people generally. Yeah. There's not the Wasatch Front with people absolutely everywhere. Flat bills. Yeah, flat billers. Yeah, yeah. I better put a little more curve in my own. Right? <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think you. I think there is a potential, especially when you look at non-resident applicants, right? Yeah. Like if they're going to come from out of state and hunt, I mean, and why would they apply for the cash when they could apply for the Pine Valley? Yeah. Or. You know the Penguin Lake. Yeah. I, I didn't really want to bring it up, but I, I know felt like I always did, have to. I always did. have to talk but about everything. Did. Morally, I'm obligated to talk about. But it. I know what I would do. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I know I, what I would do. I would do. definitely go south. Yeah, me as well. Yeah, so I might see that. Yeah, especially with the late later app deadline, people can you know utilize more of this data now, which is going to be beneficial as well. You get the bigger yeah. picture thing, like we always talk about. Yeah, I know what Brady would do. Go for You'd go to the hardest part because no one's going to be there. No one's going to be there. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so I, I was going to hit a couple more stats. You got total callers for mule deer, adult does in Utah, 955 statewide survival rate right now, 83%. It's a pretty, pretty damn high still. Yeah. Elk. Mm. Do you want to talk about elk? 96% statewide Whew. survival, 500, Whoa. 563 callers. Elk Whoa. are just so good. 
Mm-hmm. You're welcome, Brady. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, antelope. So antelope, 92% survival rate, which is still pretty high. Uh, they have 157 callers out, 13 uh, mortalities. Most of those mortalities from northern Utah. Again, you talk that Morgan Southridge country where you've got some high elevation sagebrush mm-hmm. with some yeah. antelope in it. But Do you think they'll ever expand some of this collar studies to do some more of these units in Utah? Because I know they don't cover everything. Since yeah. it comes with the cost or if, it, if it's a Yeah, I think they area. will. I think as you see that data come back, I think the more... I think the more useful, I mean, it's, it's when it's used to make management decisions and essentially you have hunters are your customer base. I think the better results or the better the feedback you get from your customer base based on your recommendations from callers, you know, I think the, the more, um, the ability to put more callers out and gain better information. Do you know how that's funded? Like, why does Utah do so much more of it? I think a lot of it's funded through, um, it may be funded through some of it through like WRI and it may, some of it's probably just funded through general, just general funds. But I I don't know for sure. Don't quote me on it. Yeah. I I just, I'm wondering why they're doing such a good job and everybody else, you know, I think they got to a point where they were like, you know what, we're running a lot of our modeling on data that's, you know, gained from studies that have been done 20 or 30 years ago from different states. We just want localized information. We want to be able to put it back into our own modeling. And people are, I mean, when you look, when the, when the proposed tag numbers come out, there were a lot of people that were upset. I mean, if you look at the Pine Valley, I think it was a thousand permit increase. It's a lot more deer tags on the Pine Valley. Not everybody's pumped about it. Yep. That's a lot more. There's a lot more. I mean, there's a lot of people that are like, man, we just got a good thing going. We got a good deer hurt growing. We've got some age class to it. Why go in and just absolutely smoke it? Yeah, but, that's quite the increase. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a pretty significant increase. So it's not not everybody's excited. Yeah. You know? Um, so it'd be, it'd be interesting to see. The rack process, I mean, the, the tag proposals that came out, I think they came out on the 4th of April, um, it will go through a round of rack meeting proposals. So you'll have an opportunity to show up to a rack and people will get a chance to see that, you know, speak their piece and then they'll vote and, and run with those proposed tag numbers. But I'll be interested. I'm going to run. I'm going to go. I'm going to go see what it's like. See the rack meeting. See the, the that's depths on my, of Utah. That's one of my favorites. Show up with, you know, a cup of coffee, <laughs> sit back and just watch listen. It's some popcorn. Yeah. Watch people go. It is interesting because uh, this is the fifth year in a row that Utah has decreased the number of general season deer permits too. Mm-hmm. You know, they're saying right now the population's at 335,000 deer, which is below the objective of 404,000. Mm-hmm. So fifth year in a row, we've seen decrease on general. And this year's 1,400 something decrease overall yep. on the general. It's interesting. That is interesting. I think it's just pockets, you know, and... I think in the long term, it's like I said, a hard winter like this, it sucks for pockets. But I think on the whole, if you get some years that are, you string them together where you've got decent summer moisture, you're going to have summer ranges that are in good shape. Those deer are going to come into the winter in good body condition because they'll come off a summer range. It's, you know, good feed, high protein. And then, you know, potentially if you get a little you get 100%, maybe you don't get 300%, but maybe you get 100%, 125% of annual precip next year and maybe the year after, like you're going to grow some deer, especially through those southern ends of, of the state. Yeah, So, no question. Pretty pretty cool. I'm actually really optimistic. Um, I did want to touch on kind of Wyoming, what I'm hearing. 
uh, you're talking kind of that Pinedale country, the Wyoming range. You're talking the Wind Rivers, uh, the Red Desert for antelope, uh, south central Wyoming. They're talking 50% or more and as much as 90% of their fawn crop being dusted. Ugh. So it's, it's going to be a hard thing for someone who has some antelope points. Yeah. Um, the, you know, and I've also looked at some proposals for Wyoming Game and Fish. It'll be interesting to see, but they're talking about shortening seasons. So general yeah. you know, yeah. G&H. Yeah, I was looking at that yesterday. Cutting those cutting back. Those down to 400, mm-hmm. I think it was. Yep, and then also limiting the number of days for the rifle, the rifle days. So I'm a fan. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not against it. I mean, yeah. sometimes Mother Nature deals you a tough hand, and you got to kind of react. And yeah, it's all you can do. Yeah, at least the states are being proactive instead of you know continuing yeah, just letting on. it go. See yeah, how we you, end up. Oh, we'll just see how we end up afterwards. This <laughs> will make me wildly popular in Wyoming, which on residents are already. Um, but you you could consider if you're listing Wyoming game and fish, you know, putting your residents on a quota. Did we, just, I saw a comment, I'm just, I think, on one of our just throwing that about out there. That. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Instead of having those completely OTC where you hunt anywhere you want in the state. But yeah. Just throw it out be there. Very, yeah, that would be very you know. proactive of the state. <laughs> just, to just, just dishing it. Um, yeah, you, you lost some friends there, I think, on the internet. <laughs> oh, well. Wyoming, man. Wyoming. I don't know what the deal is. I love Wyoming. It's like probably one of my very favorite sons to, or states to hunt, but they just, they're making it rough on non-residents. Yeah. Making it tough. Seems like they're constantly kicking around ideas on how to lock us out even more. Lock us out a little bit. I, mean, I already can't hunt wilderness, but I can fly fish and take a photo and hike. But yeah. yeah. I mean, that's not a wound of Brady's. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's just the sore subject. Yeah. All right. That's, that's an interesting one. I'm going to hit you guys with some other stuff I was interested to talk about today. Um, let's talk about antler growth. Yep. So. I hear I hear some things all the time. Yeah. When it, you come to a winter like this, right? So you got a hard winter. I hear, you know, the animals that make it. I hear, man, it's going to be a banner growth year, right? Because you got tons of moisture, tons of good feed, protein. It's going to be a just absolute bomber antler growth year. I also hear people saying, no, it's not going to be a great year because green up was delayed. You know, typically those those ranges start to green up. Your early greens are your highest protein. Uh, you know, forage. So essentially that those animals are delayed and that you don't get the antler growth. Yeah, because they have to try to replenish the nutrients Re- they've lost it before they can put that towards antlers. What's your take, Lorenzo? And I and I, I want to take this from a standpoint as a guy that's hunted a lot. Think back on the years that you've hunted. Think about snowpack. Think mm-hmm. about moisture. You Tell me what your opinion is based on on your, your history with hunting. I'm on curious. what I've heard? Just what you've heard and also what you think personally. So I know you've killed some. So I'm curious because I know you've killed some bucks. Yeah. I know you've hunted. You've hunted in Utah quite a bit. Yeah, a lot. Um, That's probably the state I've hunted the most. Yeah. You've hunted. You've also hunted Nevada. Yeah. Yeah. You've hunted a lot of deer. You've hunted elk. You've killed a lot of big animals, you know. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious as to. And your and your, your family, right? Yeah. And you guys have hunted on years where growth seems to have been better. And years where growth hasn't been great, right? Mm-hmm. So I was just curious as to your take on what what makes a good antler growth year, just based on your observation. Yeah, based on just strictly observation and yeah, not talking to people who actually yeah. know who have told me the truth. <laughs> no, I think uh, this is bro science. Yeah, right? this is the bro science part, of it. Part of it is uh, one drought year doesn't has never seemed to like affect antler growth and and what I've seen and what 
we've seen my family and the property up there, all that stuff. Um, when you string multiple years together, like it definitely starts to make an impact. Mm -hmm. Um, and then one good water year doesn't always pop the next year. Like it, it, you would think, right? Like, yeah. I mean, it's like instant feed. Yeah. Back, typical back bro science. Like you would think, you know, really good feed, super good water year. And when it happens, you know, just one year, it doesn't seem to do overly well. Right. Uh -huh. But like, um, I was thinking about the ponds. What do you, do you remember yeah, trying oh to think yeah. what year the ponds absolutely blew up? 17. 17, which was post Pretty good winner, right? Very good. Yeah. Very good winner. Two good winners in a, in two, a row. Two in a row. Similar to this. Yeah. Pro well, yeah, I mean, maybe maybe a little less than this year, right, as far as that goes? A little that, less than this but year, that but unit two good blew winners up. in a row. Like, absolutely blew up. There was so many big deer on. You couldn't, you couldn't not not see a big deer. Yeah, it went from being like, you know, 180-inch buck, you definitely don't turn down, to now you're, you're just driving around looking at 190-inch bucks. <laughs> yeah, and like, and just wanting to kill his buddy that you saw two days ago, that's like yeah. way bigger, noticeably way bigger. I'm trying to remember. I wanted to say there was, God, I can't remember. Don't quote me on, but I want to say there were like 20 archery tags or 18. And I want to say like 12 people, of the 18 or 20 killed two, a 200 inch yeah. buck. Yeah. It was an, it was a nuts year. That's the year they, that, that clunk buck was out there though. That yeah. famous one that Verosco, David Verosco and his hunter mm -hmm. killed. That's the year that, I mean, it was just, it was insane. And it was two good, it was two really good water years. Two good years back yeah, to back. back to back. So you're thinking we That's might not it see it this year, but if we had something I mean, I'm just, similar. I'm, I'm just <clears throat> speaking like yeah, in past history, what I've noticed um, is like, it's always the two year thing. Like if you get two in a row, it's either the two bad is going to equal bad or the two good is going to equal good, good. Not so much like, oh, it was a horrible drought year. If it was just the one, but you're coming off a good previous mm -hmm. winter the year before, then it, it didn't really seem to affect much, right? Like, yeah. I mean, you're maybe did it affect it 20%, maybe, like, but it's just not really noticeable. Yep. Um, whereas the two years in a row, it was like wildly noticeable. So, Nevada, what, I mean, a year ago, Nevada was as bad as it's ever it's, been. It's been, yeah. right, for mule deer. I mean, I yeah. talked to a bunch of guides and outfitters, people that had tags that were pretty pessimistic about the potential for decent antler yeah. growth that year. It was about as bad as it's ever been. And that was based on pretty much two years worth of drought, right? Three. Three. Yeah. Two quite, to three. Quite a few years. Yeah. What's the outlook, do you think, this? you got a year like this in Nevada where your major mountain ranges, and in in Nevada's an interesting state because you have you got mountain ranges, and then you've yeah. got these giant valley bottoms that are mostly just sagebrush and you know grassland. But like, what are you hearing as far as this, like outlook in Nevada? Phenomenal this year because of the carryover the last little bit too. That's what this gets into a variable that's like it's very hard to track, right? You can track snow water levels and yeah. melt off and green up. You can track all that stuff, but like the one thing that's super variable is the amount of carryover from bucks that weren't killed. Mm. You know, like bucks that were either passed or um, you know a good pine nut year coming off of a good water year and it kept bucks in the in the trees oh, that's what happens in nevada a lot of the time right when you're hunting this lower desert mm -hmm. stuff that's just covered in in trees the the juniper jungle but the, um the flip side of that though is you can't have big deer if there wasn't deer to begin with correct so yeah. like it was the population knocked back enough i know a lot of people didn't even find deer in a lot of units in nevada yeah. last year like not even seeing deer that's a di i think that's, so that's a different story yeah entirely. that's a different i think different yeah. discussion i think it's a different yeah. different story entirely but like you know the 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 name brand units in southern or central Nevada and southern Utah, like um, 
the the two year like i was saying is is kind of the the thing but then the the hard part is the variable of the carryover mm-hmm. right like when bucks just when you don't have the look we all know the networks of people that are out there hunting those mm-hmm. the giants right the the guided networks and then the you know we all know the big names out there that are always chasing big animals on tags every single year yeah um when they go a bunch of years in a row not killing that you know presumably there's really good carryover of age class bucks that have the genetic potential they just need a little bit of help and they need the feed body composition and feed and mm-hmm. you know and then all of a sudden there's a there's a good year so the outlook in nevada this year seems to be really good just just based on the general carryover from what people are anecdotally talking about and then also obviously the the actual hard data of mm-hmm. the water i mean they there's no replacement for water in the desert. I mean, that's like, yeah, that's the most simple bro science on the planet. Yeah. yeah. And the water should provide the feed. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's interesting. So when I was writing the Utah application strategy article, uh, I did a little reading. I looked back and I'd, I'd read some studies that, and I think Dax had talked about it when we had him on the podcast. He said that, uh, uh, what do you say? Fat moms, fat mm-hmm. moms yeah. produce big bucks. Yeah. Right. He's, he, very plainly pointed, which I've heard in the past, but he was broke it down just ultra simple for even a guy like me to understand. It just entirely comes down to the body composition, the body fat. That's what it comes down to. Yeah. So a big doe produces a big fawn, big fur, big fawns, have big the, healthy fawn. Yeah. Have yeah. the potential to grow big antlers over perpetuity. So their, their yeah. lifespan. So I went back and I looked and this, it's interesting that you say this, like I think back on the Ponsagant, right? So you said 19, is that right? 1819 was the year that the ponds kind of blew up. 17, 17 it started 18, in 1819. 18. Yeah, it was on fire. Yeah. So, I mean, that year suggesting that antler development was good based on water. And, and this kind of confirms the same thing that I was found in like 1819, 19, maybe even rolling into 20. Those does that produce fawns should have produced healthy, big fawns. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then you roll that forward four years, which. I think it's 95, 96% of a mule deer buck's antler growth potential is reached by four and a half years old, four and a half to five years old. That rolls us right into 2023 this fall. So the potential. Oh, really? Yeah. So the potential certainly exists this year in, you know, throughout Southern Utah. Big gold Nevada, nugget just dropped. Nevada uh, for the potential to have, you know, fawns that now turned into four and a half year old bucks that should mm-hmm. produce big antlers. So that coupled with a good, you know, good uh, moisture year, good winter snowpack. And I think I read that, I think it's like, what, 85? Actually, I was, I want to correct that. Sorry, I was, I was wrong. I just went back in my camera roll because you saying that it's 19 is the year that it blew up when they killed Clunk and So it would have been 19, yeah, 18, 19, 19, 20. Yep. So good, decent water years. 19 was on fire. Yeah. Like absolutely on fire. So that's what I'm saying. So fawns born in 19. Yeah. So my 2019, apologies. Off. June of 2019 will now be what? Four and a half. Is that right? Yeah. Four mm-hmm. and a half, which 95, like I said, 95% of your antlers growth develops by a four and a half year old, five and a half year old buck. That puts us in a window where the potential for big, healthy fawns that were born then now have the potential to grow big, healthy racks being yeah. a four and a half, five year old buck. So. I'm actually pretty excited. I'm like, is yeah, it, that's sure. one thing about writing these app strategy articles is I look back through all this kind of information. And I'm trying to consider the potential for what exists in some of these units. And yeah. You start looking at water years when fawns were born, mm-hmm. man, I'm, 
I'm pretty excited about uh, 2023 in the fall and what might potentially exist. So you're hoping for a deer tag? Yeah, deer tag. Not elk? Uh, yeah, I mean elk. I'd like to hunt elk. <laughs> <laughs> I like hunting elk. Uh, yeah, that was a, another interesting thing. When I was looking through, so Utah, part of their, you know, their elk management plan, the 10-year plan, uh, when I went through that, a bunch of studies, again, done in conjunction with BYU, they found that, what was it, 90-some 90, 90 percent of a, a bull elk uh, their growth potential is achieved by six. So they've actually adjusted the age class structure of their elk management plan to kind of bring that more in line with growth and when it's achieved. Because I think what they were finding is that you've got elk on the landscape, bulls that exist on the landscape that could be harvested. They're essentially surplus, right? Because you got yeah. a bunch of old bulls or older, older than six that are never going to get any bigger probably. Mm-hmm. So you might as well harvest them at six and issue a few more permits and work a few more people through the, the process. It's probably going to eliminate some of those gigantors, you know? Yeah. In my opinion, you probably see a little bit of the trophy potential come down overall, but I don't know. And I think it's a good thing. Get more people out. Get them, I agree. Get them hunting. I agree. So, yeah. Um, I did more on the antler debate, not the debate, but I, I don't know if it's so a So I'm going through my camera roll yeah. right now. The San Juan was on fire. Mm-hmm. Nevada was good, not on fire. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, nineteen was nineteen was a year for sure. Yeah. And you got to assume if that was a, a good year for antler growth, it's been a decent water year, which also, like I said, that's going to yield healthy does, healthy fawns. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then those fawns, bucks, now they've got four or five years under their belt. And they should have the ability, the body composition, hopefully, to grow big antlers on a good warrior. So, again, it's not always doom and gloom. Not always doom and gloom. No. No. I was going to touch. So I reached out to Jim Heffelfinger. That's the (laughs) best best name ever. (laughs) Shout out to Jim. Hopefully he doesn't mind me kind of sharing this. But I had kind of shared with him the ideas that I'd had about antler growth and kind of what I hear um, and asked him some questions. And since he's kind of the mule deer He's, he's, he might be the real mule deer Jesus. Sorry. He is. Sorry. <laughs> no joke. Does he have long hair though? And a beard? He, he does have a beard. Okay. Yeah. Good. He's got the beard, but, um, yes, yeah, so I had, I kind of asked him, uh, just to like interesting antler facts. He pointed out, I'd asked him like, what's the, the time length. So like when an animal sheds either a buck or bull, cause essentially you always hear like, oh, they immediately start growing. Right. So he said it's typically about uh, two weeks. So you've got like a scab that forms over once that shed and then about two weeks they start regrowth and mule deer about a quarter inch a day elk up to one inch a day um i'd ask him it's like on a year like this when you've got bulls or bucks that might be potentially coming out of the winter not in the best body condition like what that could do um I'd asked him what I what I thought it might be for antler growth because he, I've always heard that uh, elk and deer will essentially pull calcium from secondary, so like bones, rib, yeah. ribs, other bones in their body to put into antler growth. Mm-hmm. And so I was kind of wondering, like, you know, if an animal's not in the best body condition coming out of the winter, what's that going to do for, you know, antler development? He said that uh, antler growth is definitely secondary to body condition so they're going to take care of body condition first and then pump that into antlers after the fact so in that case um you know delayed green up on a year like this and some of those areas have got heavy snow and they don't have a lot of forage there is the potential and it would make sense that antler development may suffer a little bit 
in yep. those areas. Yeah, because they're hurting now. They got to put it to makes total sense. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So that was that was interesting. Um, Wouldn't it be nice if the antler was first to the bottom? Um, <laughs> just, just joking. Just, just joking. Just, just like joking. A, Want them like, healthy and living first. It'd be obviously. like a buried ground caribou, just giant yeah. antlers and small bodies. Just tiny right? little bodies, scraggly <laughs> little bodies. Like a jackalope. Can I give him another little plug real quick? Yeah. So I don't know if you guys follow him on Instagram. He's a great follow on mm-hmm. Instagram. And I can't remember what it was a couple months ago. He announced he has a, another book coming out. Nice. I've already pre-ordered it. I suggest if you're really interested in mule deer, blacktail type stuff, you should pre-order his book. His new book is called Ecology and Management of Blacktailed and Mule Deer of North America. Pre-order it now. It's going to ship end of April. Sounds like a book right up Brady's alley. It's five. Yeah, I, I believe it's roughly like 600 pages. I look, I look to see how much it costs. It's like 112 bucks. Looks yep. like on Amazon or some different, and that's hardback. Looks yep. looks like you can buy an ebook if you want to. You can even buy it as an audio book. I thought. Oh, did Brady, he read the audio? Gonna, I thought that'd be right up. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That would be pretty funny. He could. Mm-hmm. That'd be he, awesome. He would do a good job. Yeah, but, but that's going to be a phenomenal book. I have another book of a similar title that was published quite a few years ago, a bunch of like Nebraska studies and a bunch of other Mule Deer studies in there, and it was really, really good. I'm super excited about this book. It's awesome. That's, yeah. a, that's a book. We if need you're a junkie, book. you should pre-order it now, like that, I said. That'll be the Bible for Mule Deer hunting, huh? Yep, that's going to be a golden one. Because I always say, too, like, Trail loves biology, I love biology. Like you can listen, talk about hunt stories all the time, but when you really get down into the nitty gritty details, yeah, the information that you can really gather that's going to benefit your hunts, it comes from biology. It really does. No question. I, I agree. Goes can't, in, can't argue science. Goes some, into, some goes into e-scouting, goes into where you hunt, why you hunt it, how you hunt it. Like really everything is rooted in biology yeah. and it's how to become a better hunter. More some people on this planet believe you can argue science, but mm-hmm. <laughs> I say nay. Yep. Yeah. Science is, uh, can't argue. Biology and science. Yep. So going back, I mean, I would say this is just generally speaking, people have asked, what do I do in Wyoming with my deer and antelope points? Uh, I would say for deer, um, either it depends on how many points you got, but if, if you got the points for a G or an H or one of the more highly sought after permits, I would say either burn them this year and go or potentially think about waiting a few years yeah, and, and see what happens, see what mother nature dishes out and see That's what that, the age class looks like. It's that scary thought though. Okay. Yeah. You're, you're waiting. You have the points. Yeah. What's going to happen four years from now is the same cycle going to repeat yeah, itself. And, that's, and, and, and like what's in my mind too, is hearing it from Dax and hearing it from mm-hmm. Jim, like about body composition, antler growth is secondary. Like could be fairly rough in some of these areas coming into, you know, later yeah, into some the pockets. Summer. It might yeah. not be the best year. Yeah, yeah. It, it may not be. Yeah, I, I would anticipate, I would think that Wyoming range, G and H, you probably see a few less, you know, trophy caliber bucks. Certainly you're going to have higher mortality than you have, than you normally yeah. would. And you're also probably not going to see a banner growth year because the body condition on those animals just won't be as good of a start. Won't give them yeah. that much of a start. So antelope, I don't know. I mean, it's tough for antelope. I'm sitting on a pile of points and I was thinking about taking my dad, but my gosh, I'm thinking about unfortunately waiting yeah the so, the man of all men for antelope is that eli yeah uh grimmett or Grim, yeah, you're talking however pr- pronghorn you pronounce it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah pronghorn guide service that guy he's got so much data and charts that he puts out yep. uh, about that guy's a, antelope uh, growth uh, yeah um and i don't want to i don't want to misquote him but i'm i'm confident in remembering he said it's all about the year they were born because hmm. that builds the foundation of their of their core that the, mm-hmm. that the horn actually grows off of. So it's about the health of the year they were born. Were they born in a drought year or a good so, feed yeah. year? And that's what it all stems off of. Yep. 
big antler core or big yep. horn core and then they'll grow bigger horns that was also part of that utah study that they did looking at uh, pronghorn and they <laughs> I, I i took like a little subtle poke at utah but um and there's it's probably true but they said essentially you know uh, a buck is you know has reached his potential about three years so they started to increase the number of pronghorn permits available for bucks because mm-hmm. they essentially had a surplus which now they're essentially saying the same thing for elk you know they're hitting it at six and i just i took a little subtle poke at him just in my app strategy i don't even know it's i like to live i leave i leave easter eggs sometimes in abstract Eleven. that's great oh, he <laughs> so, does trust me yeah sometimes i use brady's name he's my name <laughs> I'm like, I check him to see if Brady's actually reading him. But yeah. Um, yeah, I took a little subtle poke that just saying, hey, here's a running theme. You know, animals hit trophy potential at an earlier age than what we all thought. So we can issue more permits in Utah. Yeah. <laughs> Whether it's, tr- you know, I'm sure that's true, but mm, yeah, <laughs> maybe not. We'll see. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I kind of believe their studies. Um, yeah. I mean, I, it's, we, we talked early on in a, another podcast about, uh, you know, Nevada collecting all the data, the age of the bulls, yeah. the main beam length, and a lot of that tends to suggest the same type of thing. It's kind of that six to eight year old window. Yeah. Which is younger than I used to think. I used to think it was like eight to ten. Yeah. Do you think it's it should be set in hunting law that to to have to collect more data on the animals that are killed? I think it's cool. And Me I think too. it I think it makes better better management and maybe uh, yeah clearly it has to make better management. I mean the more data the better management, yeah, right? I mean in saying that it costs it costs a lot of money to you know do something statistically interesting and meaningful with that data i mean i i'm a i'm a geek so i think it's awesome you know obviously i think it when i when we talked about nevada earlier and i go through all the data that they supply for me i think it makes me a much more educated hunter as far as what units i want to apply for exactly you know but again, I'm not everybody either. You know, I, there's probably a lot of people that could care less. Yeah, like I always, you know, talk about Montana and the wish that I have of a mandatory harvest reporting of their deer. Yeah, like I think harvest reporting should be mandatory. It's so easy nowadays. It's, like I understand yeah. back in the day when you could still apply on paper. People, you know, live out yeah. in the middle of nowhere in Montana and are not going to be able to go there. But now when you have to apply online to buy it or when you go to purchase your license and purchase it in, in person, if you're a resident, they ask you that question that they would ask you about the migratory waterfall. Did you hunt migratory waterfall? How many yeah. days? Whatever. Many, you, exactly. Like they could ask you those questions when you purchase your license. Yes, you have to pay someone to analyze said data and collect all the data afterwards. But you're still paying those random people to give me a random phone call at Sunday night at 8 o'clock at night when... The, always the worst time. Worst time. Always and it's the like worst if we can have mandatory stuff and get more data, like was it a four point? Was it a three point? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, how many days of effort did you put into it? Like that's cool data. Don't you think it's so generational? Like the, it's so antiquated that somebody would call you up and try to collect your data. And most people are not going to take that call, even if even if they feel okay about myself included. I'm not going to take a phone. <laughs> Typically, yeah. I'm like I just worked a full day. I don't want to talk to somebody and do a harvest yeah. survey over the phone. Versus if I had the ability to log onto my computer do it my own time i would do it i would do it every time i don't, I don't have any problem with that at yeah. all yeah. but somebody I, calling I on my phone feels so invasive at this point it's such an antiquated way and to collect data i don't i know uh, porter might be the only person i know that will answer his phone from a number that he doesn't have oh i never does, doesn't text does him. like if if you're calling me from a number that i don't have saved in my phone yeah. and you don't text me to follow up you're like not, i'm i'm not me either. i'm not even looking at it yeah me, me neither and even sometimes not, not a lot. <laughs> <laughs> even, even after that. Sometimes. Even if. Yeah. Just depends on what I got going on. 
Uh, yeah. Anyway, good, in- interesting information. I thought that would be good to run through because, like I said, everybody is talking about the weather. Everybody's talking about antler growth and the potential for the year. Um, you know, Utah, we've talked a lot about Utah. And like I said, that app deadline will be coming up in seven days. But tons of new hunts to apply for, including an October rifle season for elk in every single unit and a late season archery elk hunt in December, hmm. which I think is... I've heard not many permits, maybe as few as five. It does look like they're going to give non-residents the chance to apply for their, so there should be at least one tag for all those hunts. I think that's a really interesting hunt. I know. I think it's really interesting. I think I'm kicking myself for making the deal with my wife that I won't hunt during Christmas spirit. Well, it's <laughs> I got to fix that. I one think now. it's the second through the fifteenth. There's oh, something that's early. About. It's go. early. You're Christmas ready. Yeah, we're good. You'd be I'll be ready. Christmas ready. Be yeah. in a better mood. I would definitely look at it if I had very few points, like. As a resident, I mean, getting back into the system in my five years after my waiting period's up, if they still have that hunt, that's a hunt I'm I'm all in on. Yeah. I'd be right up my alley. I would yeah. like that. And I think harvest success is going to be higher than it is in a, a state like Arizona where you've got so much vegetation, it's mm-hmm. thick. Mm-hmm. I think Utah's a lot more uh, conducive to spot and stock hunting late season with a bow. So I think, actually, I won't be surprised at all if a lot of those units hit, you know, 40 30, 40% harvest success on those late hunts. Hmm. I'll be interesting to see, but I, that would be my guess. And I just, I don't know, nobody drinks or smokes in Utah. All they do is go out and hunt. So <laughs> <laughs> they, they hunt, they hunt a lot harder. So I won't be surprised at all if those tags don't get filled, hmm. but yeah, yeah. Utah, uh, interesting Nevada coming up, uh, Nevada deadline. We talked a little bit about May 10th, so that won't be too long after this comes out. Yep. Yeah, um, it's like again, that snowpack in Nevada right now is, have you heard anything, Lorenzo, about any potential winter kill in any areas? No. I haven't heard none. I haven't heard any. Like literally zero. Any talk. Well, the thing about Nevada, if you think about it, you guys know better than I do, but like you drive out through Nevada. Our valley floors are va- so low. The valley floors yeah. are low and so open. So you've yeah. got exposed vegetation yeah. and, there's, and there's not a lot of people in Nevada except for a couple pockets. It's Vegas and Reno. Between, <laughs> I mean, that's, Vegas, that's it. Yeah. And Battle Mountain. I mean, I don't even know if you could call that. <laughs> yeah, I've been to a truck stop in Battle Mountain. It's, a hot, it's happening. Flying J, Battle Mountain. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a great truck, you, great, you great, can't, uh, truck stop. You can't beat it. Um, but no, I mean, Nevada, everyone is like high up on Nevada right now. Yeah, even like right now, again, the, the snow water equivalent map, the whole Clark County, Las Vegas area, yeah. we're at over 2,000%. Holy shit. The 20 year average snow water equivalent. Holy shit. 2,000. You got to fill up, you got to fill up Lake Mead. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. That's no more dead bodies in uh, 50 gallon drums. Yeah. Isn't it weird? We're coming off such bad drought, like year after year drought, that the mafia bodies are coming up. And now all of a sudden (laughs) we're just like, bang, there's water again. Even like just west of here, too, on the mountain range, like Mount Charleston, Mm -hmm. that's at 6,000%. Wow. 6,000. Yeah. We have a lot of water in this valley. I'm also not hearing, uh, like I said earlier, kind of the area I'm most concerned that the things I'm hearing the most about are that those areas, Western Wyoming, uh, maybe some South central Southwest Wyoming, Northern Utah, the cache, kind of the Wasatch back, uh, Western Idaho, but I'm not really hearing a lot about, you know, Colorado, everything seems to yeah, be just that Northwest corner, just that North, yeah. Northwest corner kind of. And then as far as the Southern states go, you start looking at Arizona, New Mexico. I mean, it's going to be good. Even Montana, 
Montana. Yeah, Montana is actually pretty average. Yeah. Across the majority of the state. Yeah, there's a few pretty pockets average. that are really extreme around like the northern part. But for the most part, it's pretty average. Northern Idaho, same thing. Oregon's yeah. pretty much, or Washington's pretty decent. Um, Oregon has quite a few areas with some high snowpack, but. Wish I could get a tag in eastern Washington. <laughs> <laughs> do. I do. I uh, Back in my college days when I would duck hunt out there in eastern Washington, Dude, I saw some, you see some big, big mule deer. deer. When I was bow fishing that country? Yeah, cool. I saw some big deer. I mean, yeah. prime time is November, right? Like, yeah. I mean, That's prime when I was time to go look, yeah, it's prime time to go look for big mule deer. And you'd be driving out to the, you know, those sloughs that are sitting in between big sage pockets and bowls and Man, I saw some big bucks. Overall, I would say pretty good antler year, depending on where you're at. If you're outside of that little pocket we talked about, southern Utah, Arizona, New Mexico are going to be great. Colorado, I think, for the most part, going to be a good year. Even Montana should be a decent year with pretty average precip. Uh, western Idaho, that country, I would say pretty similar. Um you get up into some of those high elevation units, you know, maybe not, but I would say for the most part, that was one thing I wanted to, I mean, I've, all I've heard for like the last month is like winter kill, winter kill. It's terrible, you know, and it is terrible. There are pockets where it's bad, right? It's going to take some time to, to bounce back from, but I did want to, you know, potentially point out the silver lining and all of it. And, and there are some areas that are going to do great. Yeah. Are you really, you're hearing that much of it? People talking about yeah, it. I've heard quite a bit. I think right. this is probably, I mean, you had, uh, what, 16, 17, I think, like Western Wyoming, that Wyoming range. Yeah. There was a lot of talk about winter kill, and I heard a lot about it then. I would say since then, this is by far the most I've heard about winter kill. Yep, the most. And I pulled up something on yeah. Gohan earlier. So this is the most we've ever covered in terms of yeah. winter kill articles on Gohan. We've covered really? 10 articles already this year across that tri-state area that we're talking about. 10 and 16, 17, we didn't talk, we talked about it. It was very, but not like this, not like this. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I wanted to cover it. Hopefully it wasn't too boring. Hopefully you got, we, we all got something. We learned something. What I did, what I'm kind of interested about Mm -hmm. to know. So Idaho's first round of return tags is coming up. Yeah. What's the date? Do you know? Uh, the April 20th is when they're available to purchase Mm -hmm. at 10 AM. Again, you have to jump in that waiting period purgatory <laughs> the, that, that, that the fun queue. thing yep the queue again we're gonna get back in there the taylor swift queue and then uh to <laughs> take your ticket master running that Wait, one what yeah you gotta go and do a queue for you taylor don't follow swift. you haven't kept up on taylor swift and like what she's I'm got not a, i'm not a swifty why not i mean i had an opportunity in college to go see her but i didn't want to drive across the state that's why you should have went and saw her yeah okay there you go that wasn't just a country singer at least you admitted that you regretted it you could have shot with that you could have shot your shot back then when you were in college yep Yep. She was probably only, what, 15, 16 at the time? <laughs> but, but the interesting thing, though, so that's on uh, April 20th. So April 18th, those list of tags show up. Are we going to see potentially more tags be turned in from non-residents in that southeast, western Wyoming area this year because of people are concerned about winter? Mm. I think that's a deciding factor enough where people might be turning in some of their tags in some of those areas. It might. Interesting my gut interesting to see. My gut says yes. That's I think guy. I would say marginal. I wouldn't say a, a, a ton, but mm-hmm. but more. Yeah, I'm I'm very curious to see what that number n- might be this year. Yeah. yeah, that kind of stuff is interesting. I had another guy reach out and say he asked me if I thought uh, there would be like less hunting pressure from residents in Wyoming in G and H this year based on winter kill. And interesting. Yeah. Very interesting thought. 
And I said, I don't think so, because I think people historically pretty much hunt the same areas. Yeah. Go right I, back I think about the areas that I like to hunt that are close to my home in southern Utah, and I tend to hunt the same areas every once in a while. I'll venture out, but I, I don't think, I would say maybe a little, maybe, maybe, but I would say for the most part. Or do you think pretty, more of them will similar. go because they're yeah. realizing the same thing we are? If you don't go this year, yeah. it's not going to be that yeah. great. Or so, maybe, or maybe more. See, this is that yeah. variable stuff that... It would be awesome to collect on, like mm-hmm. just to look in years past and be like, oh, what happened on, you know, yeah. what happened this year? Where, where'd you hunt and why? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are you going to try to pick up a turn back tag? You, well, not going to be able to, Mr. T-Rail, because. You already, you already bought one? No, we're going to be. Oh. We're going to be out hunting barber sheep. That's right. <laughs> we're gonna That's be a good in, reason to not We're going to be backpack back. hunting in Texas. That's so. awesome. I'm jealous of you guys. I'm going to miss it again. I missed the other, I missed the December 1st one because I was sheep hunting in Tashikistan yeah. and now I'm missing the sex one because I'm sheep hunting it again. Hey, it's pretty, everything pretty happens cool. for a reason. Yeah, it's pretty, I'm, I'm okay reasons. with it. I'm okay yeah. with it. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I really want to just jump in there though to see the chaos and to yeah. see, you know, what the process is going to be like. I'm going to have an article already pre-typed up and then hopefully uh, I'm going to have some assistance from some people in the office to update that with the tag numbers for the article. But I know that there's going to be quite a few people in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Trying to get it figured out. I would say if there's some elk tags that pop up, huh? Check those out. We're going to have yeah. to try to climb a mountain, trying to get service and try to pick one up on our phone. I'm not, but you're not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'd be interested though. I, I'm really kind of upset a little bit that I'm going to miss out because I don't have a, a, a tag yet, but yeah. you know, Trailer, there's, there's you other ones. Your bow? I am going to bring my bow. Yeah, yep. cool. Yeah, I'm going to try to bow hunt. We'll see how it goes. I don't know. I don't know what my chances might be like. I don't know. We'll just see. See how it goes. If I have to bring out Brady's long gun, then so be it. But it'll be dialed. I can it, tell you that it's dialed. <laughs> really, the only reason shoot. I decided to bring—I heard I knew Brady would bring a rifle, so I was like, "Huh, how do I get first crack? I'll bring my bow." That's yeah, a good way to go. get first crack. <laughs> <Yeah>. Strategy. <laughs> so, so Strategy. I'll get first crack, and if I mess it up, then we'll. So we'll we're giving re- you first re- crack. It's not going to be the if you glass it up and it's big, you can go for yeah, it. Yeah, we can. We can do that too. I'm just going to sit uh, back and. Uh, not that's glass. not what I heard though. I heard I heard Trout gets first crack. Yeah, yeah archery goes first. Man. Get, if he can't get it done, then you just. And then if you know, I screw that up, long gun. Yeah. Yeah. Let's pass over. I'll, I'll hit you on You're my the over-the-top coverage. I'll, I'll hit you on my radio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, shoot, oh, it's Texas, Bra- man. You Brady, can do anything. Brady over the top, but <laughs> <laughs> let it rain. Uh, no, it'll be fun, though. We're looking forward to that. We're going to... Yeah, I'm jealous, man. That's going to be awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I'm hoping... You guys are product testing, too, right? The Born mm-hmm. Primitive yeah. stuff? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, going with Sloan from Born Primitive. Got a uh, new line of pants, all kinds of gear. Yeah, We're gonna looks good. Chance. So I'm anxious to hear what you guys say about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and hopefully uh, have a good hunt and get a chance to a couple of nice rams. Yeah, but by the time this podcast airs, we've already gotten back. So, really, yeah, we'll be. It won't be quite. We'll we'll be back in a few days. Oh after. yeah, back in a few days. Yeah, it'll be going on while we're out there. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. Which reminds me, if you guys have comments or questions, if you got beef with anything that we said. Uh, delay that until Brady and I yeah, get back. Yes, delay. Please. So the 20, 23rd, yeah, yeah, just just keep your comments to yourselves and then just let us have it full tilt when we yeah, get back. F- <laughs> that way we don't come back to an instant firestorm. Just uh, let, it, let it rain when we get back. Huh? There you go. No, I'm, I'm genuinely interested on people's take on the radios. That is one of those things. It's like what camp you're in kind of a thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's really funny as I think that there are such pockets because you said at one point you're that Montana guy. 
Yeah. And you, there is, there's this thing, those Montanans. They just, you know, we just they are so it. against it. They are just hardcore against radios. Yeah. I grew up hunting the desert my whole life. It was such a normal thing. It was so normal. Yeah. I mean, there's not cell service anywhere. You, if you leave, Vegas, especially, I mean, shit, it's still like that today, which is really frustrating, frustrating considering how good technology is. But for whatever reason, mm-hmm. 90% of Vegas has horrible service. It makes no sense to me. But if you get like one valley outside of vegas you are you're done so radios were everything yeah you know and then you go up to like montana and they're just when i was in college i could not believe the difference of like they thought you were the devil devil if you yeah, had radios we like hunting, it's crazy we like hunting old school ways i mean yeah <laughs> yeah saying. i'm look the, the the state is that way i'm for it you know yeah, it is what it is that's true they allow it we'll have to do a podcast sometime on state stereotypes yeah, <laughs> yeah. that would be really funny actually. utah's great montana's great arizona's great <laughs> we'll have to we'll have to do a deep dive that would be really funny meathead, def, there's, meatheads uh, in arizona every, flat every, billers in utah yeah. and then the the trad guys in montana mm-hmm. yeah it'd be a fun podcast and there's some bleed out here and there but for sure every state has their own little clique huh mm-hmm. yeah yeah well good deal anything else you guys want to hit on or are we good what would colorado's be they're kind of a swath of all of them they're kind of a uh, hippie hunter type a little bit but then they then but you then, have like the old cowboy like yeah anything mm-hmm. goes yeah i don't know you, colorado's probably the biggest hodgepodge yeah it's got to be that's definitely the biggest hodgepodge thinking about all yeah. the different hunters there the other ones definitely have like a clear stereotype. <laughs> clear. <laughs> Especially uh, Utah. I make fun oh of Utah man. all the time, but Utah, I would say, is among the, the champions. Man, if you don't oh. cut your sleeves off and wear a flat belt to go shed hunting, <laughs> what are you doing living in Utah? Oh, like, why, why are you there? Why do you even live there? Yep. Uh, uh, it's too bad you don't have social media. <laughs> People uh, are going to be... Send all the DMs at, to... Atler. <laughs> at Brady Miller. Yeah, at Brady Miller. I'll yeah, do all go. my communication through at Brady underscore J underscore. <laughs> okay, yep. That's it. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's where you send them. Yeah. All right, well, thanks, guys. Yeah, thank you.